Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is my friend, Sharla Gettle. Welcome to the podcast, Sharla. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me today. Will you spell your first and last name and pronounce them for our listeners? Of course. Sharla Gettle, S-H-A-R-L-A-G-O-E-T-T-L. And um, you are, tell our listeners where you're calling in from. I'm just outside of Portland, Oregon. And um, is it rainy there today or is it nice there today? It is, it is pouring today, as a matter of fact. I'm afraid that you'll be able to hear the, the pouring rain on the podcast because it is raining so hard. That's funny. My husband is literally trying to stop our neighbor's house from floating away. At this moment. At this moment. Well, um, we're going to talk about Sharla's book. She is releasing a new book. She's an author, and it's a wonderful book that I wanted to have Sharla on the podcast so she could share about her book. Um, It's part of her feeling that she got when she was called to be a stake young women's president um, a couple of years ago. And not every um, stake young women's president now needs to write a book. But sometimes we just get impressions on things we should do. And so this is one of those stories where Charlotte felt impressed to write a book. And that book now has become a reality and hopefully it will help um, people in her circle of influence. Talk a little bit about the book, Charlotte. Introduce the name of the book to our listeners and why you decide to write it. So the name of the book is called Spiritual Resilience, Leading Our Youth to Go and Do. And I I feel really strongly that the beautiful prophecies of the future are not going to be given to us and just um, dropped in our laps by our Savior, but they're going to be a result of the youth in the church truly developing skills and insights that allow greater growth, that allow better solutions to the nagging problems that um, come up over and over again. It's going to be the youth who truly teach all of us how to move forward. And I, I feel like there is great guidance that um, I've been able to glean from the story of Nephi, um, a different insight than I've ever seen before that can help those youth truly develop a, a stronger, more resilient faith. Tell our listeners how you, they find the book. So the book will be available on Amazon through um um, Barnes and Noble and anywhere where where books are sold, um, it'll be paperback, audiobook, and ebook. That is great. Uh, tell us, just you, know, you kind of mentioned this. Why did you decide to write the book? So I was called as a state young women's president, and almost almost immediately upon saying those words, "Yes, I will accept this calling," I received the strongest impression to focus on resilience to learn what that meant, to learn how to get it, to um, learn how to teach it. How do I teach resilience to the future heroes of, of the church? How do, I, how do I teach resilience to my own daughters? And I, I needed answers to those questions. And so I went digging for them. Uh, that is really cool. And I'm just going to start with some of these questions that we've talked about ahead of time. Spiritual resistance. What is spiritual resilience? 
That's a phrase um, Cheryl, I've certainly heard over the years, but just what is it and how do you get it? I believe spiritual resilience is the knowledge that Christ is giving us direction and that we are eager and excited to follow through with that direction, that we want to follow Christ, that we feel confident we can overcome the pressures around us in order to stay focused on following what Christ has asked us to do. I believe we get that resilience by recognizing all of the tools, all the opportunities that Christ already provides us in order to be resilient, but to recognize those tools in a very relevant way, in a way that truly affects our daily choices, that affects our daily attitudes. I believe that the covenants that we receive, the inspiration that we receive through the Holy Ghost, the guidance that we receive through the scriptures have deeper meaning than I previously realized. And as we uncover those deeper meanings, we're able to build up a stronger faith, a more resilient faith that can um, stay true to form, regardless of the pressures around us, that can um, that can adapt as needed, but can stay firm against any onslaught. I love that. And it, I assume this is part of um, your spiritual impressions as a stake young women's president um, and as a mother of three daughters and just your own spiritual insights. Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I truly focused on the story of Nephi. And, and why would I do that? Well, he belongs to a, a really incredible group of people, these very young scriptural heroes that we hear about, both in, in all books of scripture, um, David, Daniel, Mormon, even Mary and Esther would be part of that group. Samuel, these were very young people who, who were able to walk into a situation that in some instances truly threatened their lives. And yet they were able to do and say just what Christ needed them to do and say in those moments. They were able to change the path of history. And that pressure was put on really young shoulders. And yet these scriptural heroes were able to meet that task with, with grace and with knowledge, with confidence. How is it that these youth who were, you know, maybe 14, maybe 15, maybe 18 or 19, how was it that they were able to make those choices? Well, in the scriptures, we have just a few verses in most cases. We don't get a lot of backstory on many of these characters. We don't get to see what is it that led up to that point? How did they prepare? How did they learn when that moment came, exactly what to do and exactly what to say and have the confidence that they could do it. Nephi is very different. We have chapters and chapters on Nephi. On Nephi, we get to see his family. We get to see the relationships. We get to understand the building blocks that led up to his decision. Tell us about um, focusing on Nephi and why Nephi's story is really important. 
so I, I believe Nephi belongs to a really prominent group of people in the scriptures. He, he is part of this club of young heroes. These very young people who are asked to do difficult, difficult tasks. And we, we hear about them throughout the scriptures. There are examples in, um, in Daniel, in David, in Mormon, in Samuel, in, in Mary, in Esther. These, these were very young people who were asked to do very difficult tasks, and yet they were able to rise to that task. And they had the spiritual resilience to um, truly make a difference in history in the moment that they were asked to. But we don't get to know what it is that led to that, to, to that faith. We don't get to see the preparation. We only have a few verses on each of their lives. Nephi is very different. In Nephi, we have many chapters that um, teach us about his family life. We get to understand the building blocks of his testimony. We get to hear the progress of how he started out praying for a softened heart and yet leading to his, his bold testament of, I will go and do. There is, there is a great deal of development through there. I feel that it's not coincidence for Nephi's story to be at the very beginning of the Book of Mormon. There is great history and, and insight to gain from Nephi that applies specifically for the youth of our day. And, and if parents can recognize those building blocks of Nephi's faith, then parents will be better able to support the faith in their own young heroes, in their own um, youth who, who they love and care about. If we can understand what truly helped Nephi, I believe it'll truly help the youth in our day as well. I love that. I it is interesting that Nephi's story is at the beginning and there's a lot of parts of it. And I love the psalm of Nephi. I love so many parts of that story. Um, I like where he's Absolutely. open sometimes and being he feels very human to me, Charlotte Times. He doesn't seem to be this perfect um prophet, um leader all the time. He seems to be human. Um and that makes him more relatable to me. I really believe so. There's, I, I love that idea of Nephi being in need of refinement, being unfinished, being imperfect. I commissioned a work of art that is um, printed in the book, and it is a modern piece of art showing smudges and smears and stains all over Nephi, but he's also unfinished. The work shows him um, being imperfect and still in need of more in inspiration. And it shows the finger of God um, inspiring Nephi, filling him up with pure knowledge. We're in the same process. And I, I feel Nephi is a, several steps ahead of me. Despite his youth, <laughs> he, he knew who he was and what Christ needed from him, which led to his great testament in 1 Nephi 3.7. The, the verse that is quoted over and over again, I will go and do, for I know that the Lord will prepare a way that we all may accomplish. This verse has key phrases that create the building blocks of Nephi's faith. They're a clue to us. Why was it that he was able to use those specific words? What information did Nephi have that led him to testify in that way? For example, the words, I will. He starts with a covenant. He starts with a commitment. We also have covenants that are key to us building spiritual resilience. 
the idea of um, go and do, that is action. We have to put action behind what we believe in order for our children to truly believe us, in order for our children to truly understand that um, how deep our testimony goes, we have to put action behind it. For I know, I think, I think for I know is, is so insightful. He had a reason why he was obeying his father. He knew it wasn't just because his father asked him to go and do something dangerous and difficult. He had a reason why, and that reason was tied to Christ. If we can dig down and determine what our true motivations are, and not just the surface motivations, but really understand why we want those things. And if we can recognize that Christ is the best source for all of those um, righteous motivations, if we can understand that Christ provides those things to us in a deeper, more um, powerful way than any other source, it increases our motivation to follow after him. Nephi knew that Christ would prepare a way for him. And he knew with confidence that he would be able to accomplish the task that Christ gave him. I believe that as we can gain that same confidence, we can understand that the tools available to us are powerful. I love that. Um, it, I'm going to ask a question here. There's just, um, can you add some definition to the phrases you talk about in the book? Um, here's a couple phrases, three of them. Um, well, maybe I'll just do one at a time. Let's do this phrase, finding your place in the plan of salvation. I think that's critically important for all of us, Um, especially those who feel that they may be on a common uh, member of the church might, um, might feel or might believe. I think it's really important for us to accept our individuality. In, in the Children and Youth Program, we are asked to make individual goals. And those goals are, are meant to be very relevant to our daily experiences. The youth of today have a capacity that's stronger than, than I've seen in my generation or I've known about in others. They have this ability to adapt and they have this ability to be charitable. They have this ability to... Um, be accepting of others. It's that individuality that is truly going to help solve the problems of tomorrow. These individual um, strategies, these individual perspectives is what will help the rest of the world recognize that they belong to the gospel of Christ, that they belong in the kingdom of God. We each need to recognize that we have a role to play in helping others feel connected and blessed and and, um, supported in their faith. When we recognize that we have an individual role to play and that no one else can play that role except for us. In that painting in Nephi, Nephi is covered in smears and stains. And they are all little parts of his experiences that cannot be replicated in anyone else. We each have that same rarity amongst our own perspective and experience. We have something rare that cannot be replicated with anyone else. And we need to share that. We have our own strategy for following Christ. We have our own 
motivations. And we need to share those motivations and it'll connect with the people around us. I love that. Um, Here's another phrase, discovering your why. So that goes back to the idea of or I know. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Sure. <laughs> Why do you follow Christ? Well, I follow Christ um, because it's a commandment to follow Christ, but I follow Christ because it helps give me insights into how to help other people um, and how to lift their burdens by looking at Christ and his teachings and example. That, that's a beautiful answer. Why do you want to help other people? It's, it's a deeper question. What is it that, that pulls you to wanting to help other people? I think it's part of um, my baptism covenants to mourn, bear, and comfort. Um, but I think it's just part of how I'm wired. And many people are wired just to want from just a core humanity standpoint to help other people with no hope of reward or or acknowledgement just because it's the right thing to do. I absolutely agree with you. That that idea of a core purpose of our um, innate natural desire. For you, for you, that desire is to help others. For someone else, it might be something different. For someone else, it might be the desire to have um, family nearby, to have companionship and to be able to serve um, people who are close to them. For someone else, it might be a desire for influence to be able to um, uh, point other people towards Christ. For someone else, it might be the desire for knowledge. It might be the desire to know and to have pure knowledge. Each of us have different motivations, and all of those motivations are good and righteous. I feel that all of us have. Um, very righteous desires. And we only get off track when we try and fill those natural desires um, in a source other than Christ or in a way that is different than what Christ has has, um, given us guidelines for. So if we can understand what our deep, innate desires are, we can study those. We can see examples of those. We can recognize how Christ is the best source for for fulfilling that need. There's no other source greater than Christ to be able to give comfort. There's no greater source than Christ to be able to give knowledge. And when we can tie Christ to our great motivations, then we're able to build a stronger spiritual resilience. I love that. Um, I love discovering your why. Um, Here's another phrase you've got in the book, um, Sharla. Dropping the crutches. So dropping the crutches is my way of saying that we need to walk forward with more confidence. We need to be more bold. We need to um, rely more heavily on Christ. For example, if I, if I rely on seminary to teach my daughters the scriptures rather than teaching them my own personal insights from the scriptures, that is a crutch. If I wait for a time when I am around like-minded friends in order to talk about the gospel, that comfort level is a crutch. If I, um, if I wait to go to the temple 
until my husband is um, ready in his busy schedule to go with me. That is a crutch. If I um, fill my time scrolling on my phone <laughs> when, um, when there are other options, um, one of them just being just sitting and, and, and pondering and listening. Listening, I think, is key. When we fill our time with other, other tasks, that is a crutch. And when we can drop those crutches, such as I believe Nephi had to do, Nephi had to get those plates back from Laban, and he couldn't rely on, um, on his brothers. He couldn't rely on Laban or, or Laman to do it in the proper way. He couldn't rely on his wealth to buy the, the plates. He had to rely on Christ. So in both those instances, he had to drop the crutches that were his go-to. He immediately went to those options rather than relying on Christ. We need to drop our crutches and it will make us more effective. It will make us more powerful. It will make the covenants that Christ has given us more relevant in our lives. That's powerful. I think the visual imagery, Sharon, of dropping your crutches, that's really cool. Um, That's awesome. I'm thinking of, you've got me thinking about Nephi, and I just want to share um, with our listeners one of the things I, one of the parts of his story I really admire. It's in Nephi 17, and they've made it to this promised land, the land bountiful, sorry, not the after the ship promised land, but I'm thinking they've spent all this time um, crossing you know, this desert, and they've made it to Land Bountiful. And they described that as a pretty neat land, Sharla. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine just saying, okay, we're done. Um, Yeah, we gave up everything, but this is a pretty beautiful place. And then in Nephi um, 17, verse 8, and it it came to pass, the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou shalt construct a ship after the manner which I shall show thee, that, it, that, I, that I may carry thy people across these waters. And so I put myself in Nephi's situation, and I, I can just know my brain well enough to say something like, Lord, we could have talked about shipbuilding back in Jerusalem. You know, we had a lot of money. We had access to a pretty nice sea there. There were already ships we could have bought. If this was all about building a ship and crossing the sea, we could have um, done this a lot easier a long time ago. People um, have died. Um, I forget the name of the Lamanite father that died. Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael, thank you. But Nephi skips all of that logic that would flow into my mind. In verse 9, he says, And I said, Lord, whither shall I go that I may find ore to molten, that I may make tools to interrupt the ship after manner which thou hast shown me? And it is one of the most remarkable examples that I know of faith, where he just skips all of that stuff that I would have said, and he just says, okay, I'm all the way to the point of we need to build a ship. And it's, there's no questioning that. It's just, where can I find an oar? And, you know, why was that, though? Why was I, well, I'm not sure it's as easy as just skipping it. I'm sure there was some, there was some back talk in the back of his mind going, but still, he had already dropped his crutches. In yes. Jerusalem, he hadn't dropped them yet. Yeah. He still was relying on what seemed rational, what seemed reasonable, 
um, you know, what seemed clear for two, three steps ahead of him. He, he wasn't relying fully on Christ yet. He wasn't, he wasn't there yet. And so it wouldn't have worked out better. He would have gone, he probably wouldn't even gotten past the Red Sea before he, you know, got murdered by his brothers or said, all right, fine, we're going to drop you off at the next coast and just keep on going. So, so, I mean, if he, if he had left from Jerusalem, he wasn't the same person. He was too unfinished. He was too unfinished in order to complete the task that God had given him. I, I look at Lehi. A lot of the book talks about Lehi. The book is written for parents. It is written from a parent's perspective. And, and that is on purpose. The reason for that is because I feel spiritual resilience is something that requires life-size examples. You have to see the implementation of spiritual resilience on a daily basis in order to truly integrate it into your life. And you need that example. Parents are the ideal example. Parents are the most powerful example any youth could have for good or for bad. Lehi is this great example to Nephi. It's Lehi who had all that wealth, not Nephi. It was Lehi who walked away from it on a moment's notice. Why did he do that? I think part of that is tied to our covenant to sacrifice. These these powerful covenants that we make in the temple and sacrifice is one of them. Lehi walks away from all of that wealth and comfort and influence. Why did he do that? Because he knew that what he was giving up was not greater than what he would gain. He knew with every step walking into that desert that he was walking towards something better than he already had. That's an example for us. When we sacrifice, our sacrifices are always worth it. And I know that to be true because Lehi's sacrifice was worth it. Christ's sacrifice was worth every drop. Therefore, our sacrifices, in whatever small way we can sacrifice or any large way we can sacrifice, will always be worth it. And that is guaranteed to us by covenant through the temple. I love that. And I'm thinking of a lot of just, you know, I mean, Nephi had and Lehi had a lot of curveballs, you know, on this journey to the promised land. And I'm, you know, we've all had a lot of curveballs with COVID, <laughs> obviously. And I'm thinking of missionaries that have been assigned, reassigned, come home, been assigned again. And um, there's a lot of, you know, development of really faithful Latter-day Saints in this process of just dealing with all the difficult curveballs that are COVID-related, including the loss of loved ones, and having to sort of reassess um, that. Um, but I love the way you're pointing us to, you know, Lehi and Nephi in this fundamental foundational story to give us um, framework for um, remaining faithful and navigating difficult things in our day. Dropping the crutches is a great one. Do you have a painting about that or... Um, you have a <laughs> I'll visual? have to make that part too. Because that's you a know, great one. Through this whole COVID experience, I I've learned something that I didn't know as well before. I've learned that my success does not depend on on whether or not I meet a deadline. It does not depend on whether or not my child can take the ACT test. My success does not depend on whether or not I land a contract at work 
or whether or not I'm able to take that family vacation or whether or not I get sick. I recognize that all of those things are outside of my control. But my success actually is not outside my control because my success is tied to following the direction of Christ. And as I follow that direction from Christ, I am in, I am in control of my success. He is tied to my success. And I have full control over whether or not I'm going to follow his direction. That direction is very individual for each one of us. Your direction is going to be very different than my direction. My direction is going to come in small steps that are manageable, that I can um, take action on today. They're going to come in small, bite-sized steps that are the perfect size to that for me to consistently follow. And as I follow that, those breadcrumbs, I get to choose whether or not I do so. And I get to choose if I'm walking closer to success or not. It, it does not depend on COVID. It does not depend on my um, wealth status. It does not depend on um, my family situation. It depends on whether or not I am following that daily interaction given to me through the Holy Ghost by my Savior. I love that. I love that, especially for youth, Charles, focusing on things that you can control and focus and the things that you that and then those things that help you um, with your relationship with Heavenly Father and the Savior, which is something you can control and yeah. and and base so forth on things you can control, like the things you're suggesting. Um, any more of these phrases you want to talk about in the book? There's three of them we've done. The last one we did was dropping the crutches. Any others? So one point that I tried to make in the book is that we need to look at some of these analogies on some of the symbolism in the scriptures. We need to continue to evolve our interpretation of those symbols rather than just accepting that we know what they mean. We need to continue looking at those. And let me give you an example. The idea of righteousness is given to us in symbolism many times throughout the scriptures. We have the iron rod, we have this, um, the gateway, we have the straight and narrow path. And for many members of the church or non-members of the church, those symbols can sometimes feel alienating. They can feel isolating. Um, and I've had to really think about those, those symbols while writing this book and recognize that they have inherent traits that truly are accepting and truly are um, broad in their application. We have the iron rod that, yes, it is rigid, but it also stretches to wherever you are. We have um, this gateway that, um, that might be off in the distance. But as you walk through it, you retain your individuality. You retain who you are and your core values. You retain what's most important to you as you walk through. That righteousness doesn't have to change those important, valuable aspects of yourself. Also, the straight and narrow path. The straight and narrow path is not this crowded walkway going up a mountain. It is not... Um, you know, this cliffside walk that you're going to get bumped off of as, as you're um, jostling your way up. 
I, I like to think of the straight and narrow path as being many paths, all of them in need of Christ, all of them straight and narrow, all of them leading up a mountainside, but maybe they are all starting at a different place. Maybe they are all starting at their own place, ringing the outside of this mountain. There's, um, there's a verse that I, that I really love that's in Second Nephi that talks about how, um, there, how in the last days, all of the nations will call out and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Let us follow his ways. Let us follow his paths. And that's in Second Nephi, and I believe it's also quoted in Isaiah. Well, I find it very interesting that those words are plural. Ways is plural. Paths are plural. Nations are plural. There are many ways to get to Christ, and they follow our own individual path up that mountainside. We have our own path that's directed by Christ, and we can follow it in a straight and direct way. When we hit an obstacle, we can, we can maneuver and keep on going upward. But your path is going to be different than my path. My daughter's path is going to be different than my path. They are going to learn the gospel in a way different than mine. And that is exactly the way that Christ planned it out to be. Wow, I love that. Totally love that. Um, here's another question. What suggestions can be particularly relevant to LGBTQ individuals? I, I, I love these members of our church. They have unique experiences that will have a, a, a depth of insight for me and other members of the church. For, they have an ability to, to have a completely different perspective. They're um, a prime example of what I mean when I say that the youth of the future are going to come up with better solutions and better perspectives, that they are going to be able to see um, these gospel principles through a, through a new light. And that light is going to shine on everyone around them. And we will all be able to gain more insight because of the experiences that they've had. Those, those smudges and stains and smears that are on that picture of Nephi, they have their own smudges and stains and smears that are different than mine. They have that rarity that is, that is going to bring greater insight and greater knowledge to all of us. We need that. We, we absolutely need that. And it's not, um, whenever a member of the LGBTQ community um, feels um, uh, outside of the church, it is, it is us, the members of the church, that really suffer from because we lose their perspective. We lose their insight. It's not for a loss of numbers by any means. It's because we lose the power that they gain from their experiences. And we all need to be as supportive as we possibly can in their journeys. I love that. I just um, put on my Facebook page, listeners, um, Elder Shane Carpenter full-time missionary in California, just talked about um, he's gay and he um, talks about being gay and a full-time missionary. And I love the fact that this part about him, he doesn't feel shame about and he feels impressed to share it in an appropriate way as part of his mission. And his mission is um, embracing this part about him and asking how 
they can become better the body of Christ by Elder Carpenter and the things that he can teach them. Um, and, and it's just what, exactly what you're sharing, Sharla, is just we need our LGBTQ members. We need their contributions. Um, we need their gifts to help us to become the body of Christ. And so I'm grateful for these younger people that are, you know, just um, have courage and have a, have a great self-centeredness about who they are and their divine mission and um, an understanding um, of their divine origin. Um, your grandfather is brought up a few times. Um, can you tell us more about him? Sure. Yes. I, um, my, my grandfather, I actually never have had the opportunity to meet my grandfather. He passed away before I was born, but his, um, his stories are legend in my family. Um, so he grew up as the son of a bootlegger to Al Capone. Wow. And, um, <laughs> and that's a story in and of itself. I have a lot of stories about my grandfather, actually, and I posted a lot of them on my website and a couple of them I've, I've shared in the book, but he was able to come from this background, this, um, Croatian Catholic beer loving background. Um, and, and he got in trouble with the mob and basically had to, he had to run for it. Um, he ended up um, joining the Navy and, um, and happened upon my, my grandmother at a dance. Well, my grandmother wanted nothing to do with him. And, um, he, he was half drunk and very full of himself, very prideful, very overconfident to go after this woman who was well out of his league. But he harassed her all night long, insisted on walking her home, and she basically ran to her house with him falling. When she gets to the door, um, she she hastily opens up the door, and there is a stack of church pamphlets on the wow. table next to the door. He grabs this stack of pamphlets, throws it at him. They literally hit him in the chest and drop to the floor. She slams the door in his face, and that's the end of that. Well. Um, he picks up those pamphlets and he takes them um, back to his barracks. He reads them. He shares them with his other sailor friends. And, and he comes back a week later, sober, clean shaven, cleaned up, and respectfully asks for more information. And that, that started his process of, of refining. That started his process of coming from where he was and then developing into who he became. He became a man who was so close to the spirit. There, there were miracles in his life where he saved the people around him on numerous occasions because he was willing um, to accept that miracles are real. He expected miracles to happen. He would get into a situation and recognize that it's not rational for me to find a way out of this. Only Christ can help me out of this situation. And he did. He did help him out. There were, there's many stories um, throughout my grandfather's life of where he, he relied on the Holy Ghost, followed exactly what was said, and came to a solution that could have come by no other way. And, and I share some of those stories in the book and, and on my website because I, that's that idea that um, we don't have to be perfect in order to gain insight and direction and protection and comfort from the Holy Ghost. We don't have to be um, um, deeply um, knowledgeable about the gospel. We, we only need to be humble. We only need to be humble. 
he was an incredibly proud man. And he always was. He never lost that streak of being very proud. But when it came to God, he was incredibly humble. And, and that humility is what we need. And as we gain it, we gain the miracles that Christ can give us as well. Wow, I love that. Um, what a tribute to your grandfather. Tell us, tell our listeners his name again. George Michael Papa Sr. I love that. Papa and, is my name, is my name name. And and I and I'm very proud of it. Um, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about your book, Sharla? So I mentioned that the book is is truly focused for parents. And that is on purpose. Parents have um, a big responsibility, especially these days, where we are the educators and the entertainers and um, the spiritual leaders of our children in our homes. We are um, providing for them in a landscape that is um, uh, in upheaval right now. There's a lot of weight on the shoulders of parents, and yet they need to recognize that that weight um, is equal to the support that we can gain from Christ. I, I worry that sometimes we don't recognize the power that can be gained through following Christ's example and following Christ's teachings. We, we hear these words and these phrases over and over again, and sometimes I feel that they're not as relevant as they could be. They're not as um, um, effective in our daily experience as they could be. They need more confidence. They need, um, these parents need to know that they are exactly what their family needs, that they can follow the the step-by-step guides from the Holy Ghost, and they can be um, exactly who their children need. And I, I want to provide that boost of confidence for them. I want to provide that encouragement to these these good parents who are simply doing the best that they can and feeling like they are mistake makers every single day. And yes, they are. They are exactly the way Christ made them. Agreed. And, and that is okay. I love <laughs> that, that. That is good enough for Christ. Tell our listeners the name of your website and how to get to that and the name of the book again. Um, my website is charlagetall.com and um, the name of the book is Spiritual Resilience, Leading Our Youth to Go and Do. I love that title, Leading Our Youth to Go and Do. I just, I see a visual imagery of our youth just moving forward with the principles and the foundation of the gospel in their lives, doing wonderful things. Um, please check out this book, listeners. Um, please go to Sharla's website. Um, S-H-A-R-L-A-G-O-E-T-T-L dot com and check out her book. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, Sharla? I, I love the work that you're doing. I love the work that you are doing to support the family and, and the youth in, in our church. I, I love the work that you're doing with this unique population who um, certainly benefits from your dedication. And, and I am very happy and, and proud to be part of this podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Sharla Gittel. Um, It's great to have you on the podcast. Keep writing. I look forward to reading this book. And um, I'm so glad you acted on your impressions to write this book. And 
and the lives it's going to help. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. <laughs>